Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for the final day of week four, streaming in place, which still is weird to say, but that's where we're at. We're doing good. Uh, today, we're talking about Lucifer yeah, season we're, we're okay. <laughs> I'm, do- I'm, I'm powering through them canceling Comic-Con today, okay? And I knew they had to do it, and it was the right thing, and I wouldn't have gone if they didn't cancel it. But st- I'm powering through. Let me have this moment, Noel. We're doing good. <laughs> and we're here to talk about Lucifer season two, uh, episode six, Monster. So just a little light entertainment for us to chat about. Nothing heavy <laughs> here at all. So um, we're going to kick things off by talking about uh, the happy part of the episode and then we'll go from there because okay. among the the difficult weighty stuff that we had here around trauma and uh, around um uh honesty and therapy and uh and lashing out and all of these different things we also had trick-or-treating with mason trixie and was it everything <laughs> you guys could have wished for because it was pretty much it was everything mark marcus's three exclamation points in the chat <laughs> is appropriate <laughs> um yeah i mean i uh, as the president of the maze fan club right now apparently um was totally delighted but i want to also tip my hat to like a really nice little subtle moment of um something more substantial in that storyline which is when um trixie demands that maze also go as something for halloween um and so she puts on like a half of a demon face and trixie thinks it's so cool and it like sort of warms Maze's heart. It's so nice. Although I guess the, there's also the moment when Maze is just like, okay, well, what do you want to be? And they make her president of Mars. Yeah. Recurring yeah. gag. Yes. Oh, this becomes a runner. Great. No, this already is a runner. She mentioned it previously. Oh, did she? I've completely forgotten. When? It was like when she was listing different things of like what she wanted to be when she grew up. It was. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, uh, it was just really great and fun and a nice counterbalance to everything else that was going on i thought it was great i liked the found objects in her costume like the martini glasses glasses and everything yeah uh and i don't know that we're modeling the best behavior for trixie to threaten people for more candy but uh you know i'm here for it that guy was being a little stingy with the bowl and 20 bucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah Noel, what did you think of trick-or-treating? I think it's really, it was really delightful. I really love the costume uh, in terms of, like you said, the found objects are really, really delightful. And I do think that like the heartwarming, the two heartwarming moments are what Allison highlighted was this idea of, well, what do you want to be? And being like really delighted in that sort of a identity grab type of thing. Like that kind of shifts Maze's conception of like, Halloween um, just a little bit, I think, which is really, really great. And then the half reveal of the demon face is like a costume um, and Trixie's immediate acceptance of it, I again, also works really, really well. But as my partner pointed out immediately after, like we kind of awed about it, it was just like, yeah, but this only works on Halloween. And the the gravity of that sort of a situation in which 
the contextually it becomes really really sweet but also very very sad and then later the episode just makes it very 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 sad Mm -hmm. in a different sort of way of how this kind of thing plays so i think it's just really expertly handled that they double that double that experience of this sort of a thing um and we'll get to that in a minute but i think it's it's just really good it's really sweet and i just i it's just very good and i really appreciated also just the whole back and forth of the phone call between maze and chloe about going trick-or-treating and just the sorting out of the logistics of that but also nitpicking a little bit i was just like the lighting in this scene at the cabin or the apartment looks way past three o'clock already (laughs) so why are you concerned about her being out past three because it looks like six outside already but i think it's just really really good and lurker points out a really good third sweet uh sweet moment from that little that that b plot of the them both being asleep on the sofa while there's a very inappropriate horror movie playing and chloe ready to like just tear into maze and it's just like oh no they're both asleep and it looks so sweet see i don't think she's ready to tear into maze because her mom is Penelope Decker, and she was a young person acting in movies, so I have no doubt that Chloe watched all sorts of inappropriate content when she was young. With the right, little... and I think she's been trying to shield her daughter from that same experience. Yeah, but she also is reading her Coraline, which is super creepy at moments. Uh, so, like, I think that there's, uh, for true. me, there was, like, a higher threshold here, and for me, I, I took that as, like, a moment of, like... Yeah, Chloe would be okay with this because of how she grew up. And like, this is for me, that was a moment of they can connect on this, on this level. And even if it was like a little in- insecurity about that, just the posture, like how they were posed right on, on the thing is like, oh, she's got her. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, and before we go sad, uh, last thing is Tanya, yes, Maze, <laughs> okay, I'll walk your kid. Yeah. One of my favorite lines of the episode. <laughs> Allison, you're saying? Um, yeah. There's one little other detail that I, speaking of the costuming, which Noel mentioned that I really appreciate, which is that we briefly see another kid running around in mm-hmm. uh, Trixie's princess costume, which yes. at first I was like, did Maze like, barter costumes i was like no of course it's a target costume right like it's a it's a costume that she got off a rack um which you know you know immediately what it is when you look at it but it's not the president of mars and um and i thought that was a nice little detail yeah Yeah. even just like to overanalyze it's the difference that having maze in her life is gonna make on trixie She's not going to have a cookie cutter experience. <laughs> and that's, and it's not Disney, you know, princess, uh, safe air quotes, but it's much more interesting. And yeah, so that's, that's, I, I, yeah, I really like that, that part of it. Um, okay. Let's see. What else can we talk about that isn't completely depressing? Um, let's talk about the case of the week, which is depressing, but had some fun stuff. Uh, oh, yes. Tanya says sex swing. We had to return to, to Mesa's sex toys. Uh, yes. Delightful. Very good. Uh, we'll see if they, if they follow the rule of three or if they just cap it there with the sex swing. I don't know how they top that, but it was delightful. And this, especially well, the description of furniture. 
I mean, vibrator is magic wand or unicorn horn. I feel like those are inevitable. Um, We've already seen a ball gag, so that wouldn't really work. Um, And we saw the whip, obviously, was a part of the President of Mars costume. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I figure at some point there's got to be some kind of unicorn or wand Although the elaborate, spiky, terrifying anal beads. Anyway, never mind. Let's moving on. <laughs> well, how about the? What do you guys think of the instigating, like wedding, the the case of the of the week? I, I thought it was pretty good makeup. Uh, but again, I can totally buy that level of production value at someone's themed wedding. What did you think, Allison? Well, especially at the themed wedding of a makeup artist, mm-hmm. right? That's her job. Um, so I can. At first, I was like. Okay, cute, but meh. And then when they said, oh, no, that was her career, I was like, oh, you know what? I totally buy that. I buy that, you know, on your special day, you would want to do the thing that makes you the happiest. If that's something you love, then hell, you and your friends put everybody in zombie makeup. Um, Yeah, I mean, it also made that scene just a little bit more horrifying because you could see her panic and let her like two lines of dialogue before she was dead, trying to convince everybody that it was not part of the gimmick and sort of immediately understanding that no one was going to believe what was happening for a second. Um, I thought that was pretty great. Yeah. A, a hell of a kicker to the episode kick off to the episode. Yeah, it was. And I think that like that moment of panic in terms of we're doing a novelty wedding and then a novelty wedding type of deal. And then, it's shifting really, really fast. I think is that panic comes through really, really well from that actor. And so, yeah, it's a nice moment. And then, yeah, it's, it, it works really well. Yeah. When I was younger, I did used to work at a haunted hike every year when I was okay. a kid. And that is something that like a little back part of my brain actively worried about. Cause you hear stories about that of like something going wrong at a haunted house. And some people think it's part of the act and it's no, it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. them dying. Uh, so, so I thought they captured that, that, that moment really well. Uh, I also thought the, it was a good way to, to kind of get us ready for Lucifer looking like shit when he got there. Um, and uh, like I, I thought it like having him stumble in drunk to that setting, I thought I think worked better than some of the other more standard ways they could have gone. Yeah, and, but not as drunk as he would like to be. Oh yeah, and there's a good explanation of like the metabolism thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's a very Barry Allen. They yeah. need to get Cisco and Caitlin on the phone to get him some lighter fluid or whatever the hell they have. Carry, carry, Barry drink. On the flash, yeah. Well, I enjoy, like, how they dress Lucifer and everything. The way he's just disheveled enough to, for Chloe to call him a homeless magician is just kind of pitch perfect. And a lot of it just has to do with the fact that they're not styling his hair, really, in this episode as much as... They're styling it, but they're styling it in a way that doesn't feel styled. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, makes all the difference in terms of how we're seeing him. Yeah, it's just like a little uh, smudge of the yeah. mascara he totally doesn't wear regularly, um, and uh, to to yeah, and then the hair a certain way, and that you know then the performance takes care of the rest. Uh, what did you guys mm-hmm. think of like the structure of it, and you know where we ended up? The, I mean, I thought they sold it, but the it was a bit on the nose for me. Um, the the final conversation between the perpetrator and Lucifer. 
It is on the nose, but I think it mostly works. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Lucifer is just sort of separated from large, separated from like the logistics of the case of the week this week. So that he's sort of on the periphery for obvious emotional reasons. But then the way that they slowly build out the case, I think works relatively well for at least like a TV crime procedural, because this is exactly the sort of thing I feel like eight other crime procedurals have done in some capacity um, with the exact same sort of conclusion. But having Lucifer in it makes it different enough that I'm sort of willing to roll with it. Allison, how'd you feel? Yeah, I feel similarly. It's um, obviously even more so than the last episode, uh, and certainly more than in general, an afterthought, right? Like it matters because it's propelling the plot and it's the reason for the episode to happen. And certainly that last scene between um, the killer and Lucifer justifies it. But, um, you know, before we started recording, I was like, okay, just want to go through, remember all the things that happened in this episode, because time doesn't mean anything now. And so everything (laughs) blurs together. Let me just try to remember. Uh, And I just couldn't, right? It wasn't until I got to the food truck and him being so inappropriate at the food truck that I remembered exactly what the deal was. So not super memorable, but -hmm. I think that's okay, because obviously, and I feel like this is going to be the jumping off point for our inevitable transition to the depressing stuff. Um, that's not what this episode is about, right? It's got a completely different agenda. Um, and it's just kind of using the case of the week um, as the fuel for everything else that's happening. Yeah. If it was too much or if, if they did, they had the balance better here than they did, for example, in the previous episode. So it Agreed. needs to be enough to, to comment on the themes of like innocent bystanders being hurt um, and taking out your anger and, you know, on one area instead of another and try like des- being desperate for pushback um, and, and that kind of thing. Um, so like there was enough of that stuff there to tie in with everything else and get to some of the themes and um not enough to require the time to execute that this episode couldn't give it. So I thought that they did a good job with that. I also thought that the stuff that they gave Chloe and Dan worked. I thought like it was nice to see them being mostly good at their jobs while also Dan still being like, let's do this illegal thing and read all these cases. And Chloe would be like Okay, <laughs> which is not good place work, but I think fits with what we've seen of these characters so far. Um, yeah, and the the particularly Dan. It it did it did make me want to street waffle though, not yeah. enough to like go get yeah, one. Yeah. But yeah, street waffles are delightful. Well, where would you get one right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, they have they have prepackaged ones that aren't nearly as good, but they do, they do have yeah. those at stores, and like Whole Foods usually has them in their cookie displays, um, so they're around. But uh, no, obviously, I wouldn't a lot for that at the moment let's uh talk about amenadiel and then we'll end with with lucifer i think and dr linda and everything else there so uh did we like the god lighting or is the god lighting too much i thought it was all right i kind of chuckled about it because i think it's supposed to be too much which Mm -hmm. i appreciate and so that was fine. Um, I think that one of the things with... I'm sort of split on the Amenadiel stuff. In the regards of... It's really fun to watch Mom manipulate Amenadiel like this. Like, it's really delightful. The flip side of it is, is that we know he knows she's manipulating him. And so 
I, I tr- like I've mentioned to my partner, I was just like, I feel like this would be a lot better if we got like a twist closer to the end of that she's been sort of moving pieces around type of thing. Um, but from like the jump, we've been very clear about <laughs> I'm coming for you, big guy sort of deal with Charlotte uh, slash mom. And I think that that's fine. We've got 13 episodes, but a little bit of me just wants the twist reveal almost. And that's just kind of where I am. And I think it works really well. And I think D.B. Woodside sells the shit out of it in terms of like everything that happens at that um, tree gravesite. Um, and that carries it through just so well. Uh, so my my proclivities aside for twist narratives, um, everything about that scene, I think, works very, very well. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, it's certainly the God lighting is ridiculous, but it's also like, I don't know, operatic. And it seems uh-huh. like these entities uh, probably deserve that level of lighting, right? Like it's mm-hmm. they should be having casual meetings in abandoned opera houses and stuff, right? Like they should be able to take a stroll in the catacombs. Like they should have these. Speaking of, you can stream all of the Phantom of the Opera live, uh, not live, on YouTube now, like the complete Broadway musical for 48 hours. If you've never seen Phantom of the Opera um, as a fundraiser for the Actors Fund, uh, I am... might do that this evening. Might get myself some white claw um, and uh, and watch the, watch the spectacle. Watch that chandelier fall. Anyway, um, uh, but I think it's that level, right? Like Andrew Lloyd Webber could totally score an episode of Lucifer, so it makes sense that that we have that kind of grandiose pomp and circumstance happening. Um, and certainly, um, both DB Woodside and Trisha Helfer really sell that scene, and I think that that helps get it there. What I'm curious about is what happens next, because I, um, like Noel worry a little bit about the show kind of revealing its hand unintentionally from time to time, like laying it on just a little bit too thick. Um, but also Helfer's performance is so sincere that it's easy to kind of let that go and lean into it. So I'm curious where it heads from there. Yeah. I think that what's working about it for me, uh, cause we have had one too many shots of her, like, you know, seeming or doing a slight smile right over the course of her time on the, on the season. But, uh, what, what really works for me about this episode is that I, everything she says is true, right? It, it works, uh, and is, is honest, while also suiting her ends. Um, So, so if it was, it doesn't feel as much of a manipulation, even though obviously it is um, because it's just, it's like she's walking a menadiel to realizations and emotions that Lucifer has processed a long time ago (laughs) and that he just never had um, until, you know, this stuff is happening right now. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's very familiar quandaries, like ethical, moral quandaries. Uh, but it's just we're watching someone who has been uh, completely filled with faith and also, as they've beautifully underscored the last like half season, ego until now. And this is the first time any of that has been questioned in any meaningful way. And so uh, it, the, it's, again, the, the, the more 
puffed up, the easier to, the and the bigger the fall, right? When that collapses. So I think I think they've really done all of that pretty well. Um, let me see. I think that just leaves Lucifer and then Lucifer and Linda. So let's go to let's go to Lucifer. Let's end with Doctor Linda and and all of that. So let's go to Lucifer. How did that? arc over the course of the episode work for you guys like did you believe the self-destructive tendencies did you like did they give that enough breathing space did it feel too rote i mean i thought ellis was again terrific i'm not you know big fan over here um well how did that progression work for you guys i think that yes it does feel a little rote in terms of what we see um even down to the end of him standing in front demanding that the uh sniper or rifle person sniper or whatever uh shoot him but like you say kate like ellis's performance really kind of carries it through and i think that that's what makes sort of all the difference in that we get a really clear sense again through costuming and through ellis's performance of that this is sort of different kinds of lucifer shenanigans type of deal but also the and I don't want to say lack of self-awareness, but I think the denial of self-awareness, I think, is really kind of the key split here of the fact of he's 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 doing all this because he's in mourning, but he's also doing it because he needs to punish himself. But he doesn't realize that that's what he needs right now. Like, it's in there somewhere in his head that he needs to be punished, but he can't quite figure out a way to make that leap. And verbalize it until the end where he realizes that I need to be punished. I need to be shot. All this sort of stuff. Even though technically it wouldn't have worked unless Chloe, he knew Chloe was there already, which I think he did. Mm -hmm. But all of that stuff, I think, kind of comes together really, really nicely in that realization of, oh, I just need to be punished for what I did. But no one's going to do it but me. Because no one, no one has the, and I unstated in a lot of this, I think is no one has the will to punish me, but me, because everyone else wants to help me, support me, make me feel better, warm, fuzzy hugs type of stuff. Or they want to punish themselves, right? As we're getting yes, a pity exactly. off with the Menadiel and the other characters. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, exactly. So I think that that's really, really good sort of stuff. And then he does get punished in a way with Linda that I think really works really, really well. Um, So we'll get to Linda in just a second. So I think generally it works, even though it is really well-trodden territory, but it's really, it's trodden in a way that feels really specific to Lucifer's whole deal and whole bag that I feel like it feels a little fresh. I mean, we've talked a little bit about like you and I, Kate, have both talked about on the podcast multiple times of if you're going to do something that's a trope or you're going to do something that feels overdone, if you do it well, it doesn't matter. And this is something that Allison's mentioned before, like when we were talking last season about, I can't remember what, but we've bought this up before. So the fact that they're able to do this and execute it in a way that feels may not feel fresh but feels specific to the show is really all i can ask for and i think that works really well here um allison how did you feel i agree and i want to speak specifically to um to this last point that you're making but also before i forget about it to part of why i think because you're right i'm not sure i would call it 
fresh, although I think the ending is fresh. Um, but I think part of why it's the storyline as a whole is so well executed is because there's something about Alice's performance, and I'm not sure that I'm able to articulate exactly what it is, but there's something about the way he's playing it, which he's playing it as though he is a person who knows exactly what he is doing. Um, not a person who's sort of like gone off the rails and slid into some self-destructive habits, Uh but a person who has had articulated to him by a qualified therapist, (laughs) what being self-destructive is and what it does and has walked through it eyes open and is embracing it. Um, It all feels deliberate and not, the acting choices, the characters' choices feel deliberate and purposeful every step of the way, um, including, um, and I think especially with Chloe, and I think um, that Lauren German is also a big part of why this storyline works, because what she's playing is mounting frustration and exasperation, and it's always underlaid with concern. And it's a like a pretty textbook example of... Um, the cost that a breakdown like this can exert, even when it's unintentional. And in this case, like I said, I think it is intended to wound, but even when it's unintentional can exert on the people who love you, even when they do everything they can to remain um, patient and open and compassionate. Um, I just think that she did a really great job, but because Alice plays it, so consciously, um, I think it's even perhaps even more distressing than it might be normally. It's um, it's willful, uh, and that's pretty disturbing to see, um, especially because it makes all of the like fun party party stuff like a really disconcerting mask, um, and I think then sells a lot of the bigger, more grandiose moments that happen towards the end, even if they might normally play a little cliched. Um, And then the ending, and I I mean, I guess this is as good a place to switch into what happens with Dr. Linda as any, although Kate, I obviously want to hear your thoughts too, if you have any more, but um, I think it's the ending that makes it feel new because, uh, I mean, first of all, as being a flip side of the coin of that wonderful maze moment that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Um, And also just like a series altering thing. um, And in a way that feels very, uh, God, I don't know, dark and honest. Because normally in a storyline like this, someone would reveal their true face metaphorically here, literally and metaphorically. Um, And maybe there is a moment of shock, but then they're met with understanding. And here it's, you know, it's not hateful but it's scarring and there's a complete and total lack of comprehension and i'm curious what else you read in linda's reaction but um that felt very new to me that felt um pretty electric honestly and i think is a hell of an ending one of my favorite cliffhangers i guess of recent memory if you call it a cliffhanger noel what'd you think yeah it's just it's really potent. Um, and I do agree that like this, fe- this part of it feels fresh. I think that like the part with the culprit at the end doesn't feel fresh, but this feels Agreed. fresh. And 
again, because it's really specific to the show, but also really specific to the relationship that these characters have. Like, you talk about, Allison, you talked about the toll of a breakdown and that kind of self-destructive behavior, but we also get basically the same sort of thing with Linda as well that we get with Chloe in terms of Linda basically being like, I can't deal with this anymore in terms of your metaphors. Like I've been, I've been, I've been doing a good job with this. However, now you're talking about someone's being dead and I can't do this anymore. Like this won't work anymore if you really want to continue to do this therapy. And I think that 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 also gets the, the reflection of both of these different sorts of responses to Lucifer's behavior in both this episode, but also over the arc of this season in particular, I think works really, really well. So to have that, um, excuse me, to have that, um, to have that moment here in which he reveals his face. And we also get to like stay on the face for like the first time, as opposed to kind of get it in a quick cut glimpse of like a quick, like maybe two second beat shot um that mean we get to like live in that moment and that's just something really visceral because it's grotesque ish but it's it's good sort of like iconography type stuff and i think it just works really really well and marcus points out that uh it also stays in line with every time he has revealed the face to perps and the reactions throughout the series. And I think that's right up to the point of the fact that Linda's reaction is stunned rather than is a stunned frightened as opposed to a panic frightened, which is what most people tend to respond with. If, if I'm remembering correctly, aside from um, Isaiah Whitlock, whose face is a little different, if I remember, um well and don't forget malcolm palmetto who's like and, uh and. yeah well palmetto palmetto had had a different background and life experience um and yes and lurker points out that he's lucifer's not using his face in this instance to intimidate it's very much a this is who i am all right if you don't want to deal with the metaphors anymore no more metaphors <laughs> and yeah and i'm starting to ramble so i want to like kick it back to someone else uh, since my brain's not totally like firing on this. I just, it's really potent in the ways in which like visually, I think it also that we get that reveal. Like my partner was like, why are they doing this weird sort of like car passing by lighting that kind of flashes over the office. And then it's for that sequence in which we get the light going across Linda's face as he shifts back and forth. And I think it just visually, the entire aesthetic for that sequence works really, really well. And then just that quiet moment um, of him walking out as like the degrees to which acceptance is not being given, but he's getting exactly that double loss that I think he's been looking, that punishment that he's been looking for. Yeah. Um, For me, the scene with Dr. Linda, I mean, I... You can see why I was like, I can't wait to get to Friday. <laughs> yes. Um, but the, uh, the, you know, like Marcus was saying, it, it plays with all of the times we have seen him use his face to scare and intimidate. And it's because previously he was actively trying to inflict some level of psychic trauma. He's like punishing them with this. And th- that difference in the, the way it's shot, I think reflects that trauma, but also it reflects how he's using 
his devil face or devil eyes or whatever he does in these different moments, right? Versus what he's doing here, which is very, I mean, it's, he's not using his face. He's actually, he's taking Showing, away yeah. his other face, which is such a different thing. And it's similar mm-hmm. to with Maze, right? She reveals part of herself and that's her costume. He's revealing himself. And so the way that they shoot that and the, the, the choice to stay on her as, as, we, as he takes down the mask, even just, Based on it, like for just function of CGI is expensive and, and making it look good, but also what, what would that even look like? Do you want to decide on that or save it for later in case you want to use that? So here, it, it, it just makes everything easier that way. And then it keeps the focus on, on her, which I think is important in that, in that moment. But then the cut to him just sitting there placid, he's so vulnerable, but it, it's a good balance of, cause it's not a vulnerable, like, oh, please accept me. It's yeah. not that. That would be too easy. It's a resign. It, it's it's a level of vulnerability, but also resignation, and also a, a, just a, an understanding from him. Which, regardless of whether that's true for the show, but for the character in that moment, once I've done this, there's no going back, and I will have lost this very important person in my life. I, it's very likely this will damage her. And for me, it's not a stunned reaction. For me, it's like she she's broken. She's like, there's like, again, Lucifer using sound. There's a sound that she's making or the edit and post of just like this, like, kind of like tremoring, like, so she physically can't move. She can't even like blink. She's been like, she's in shock. She can't process it. Um, And the time for actual reflection and and reaction will come later. Um, But in this moment, she's just... You know, and he, with him revealing his face in as gentle a way as he can, as he knows how, she's still incredibly traumatized. And I, th- I thought the way that they handled him through the episode, and also that last moment, like, like I think it was Allison who said, it's it's electric. It's really powerful. It's really impactful, and it it has the weight it needs to have, and it has all the more weight because earlier in the episode they make sure to include a an, an instance of him using his face that we don't or his eyes. I mean, sometimes he just does the eyes, sometimes he does the face that we don't see, and we see the other guy reacting to it, right? Just like in the corner like down uh, like in the wall trying to protect himself like just hiding in a corner from from just a moment of that versus what we see here at the end of the episode so yeah the it's been building up uh every every time that he's done that so when when he reveals his face to someone he does care about who doesn't already know him what is that going to mean? And yeah, I think it really pays off here. Uh, Tanya says her job is working with somewhat delusional people, and this is all real and true. So that would be very unmooring for anyone. Um, and granted, I don't know, like that's something that will just continue the more she sits with this, if she's able to process it and it isn't just like gone from the show now, then the more that she processes that the more destabilizing it's likely to be so yeah i thought that that the way that all of that was handled in like even just lucifer's avoidance of dr linda through the episode works Mm -hmm. really well because he knows that like he just doesn't have it in him he's so he's so in so much pain right now that he doesn't have it in him to try to navigate a discussion with her in a way that she can accept because that's draining and that takes a that he just can't do that uh and he knows that she can't handle she or she won't believe him uh and it's just that would be 
too hard. So that's so that's why he keeps avoiding her and then ultimately does go back to talk to her because he's looked for judgment and boundaries and pushback from everyone he knows that he, he could possibly get it from and they just refused to do it. It's like, damn it, Chloe, you're supposed to push back on this. You're supposed to yell at me. You're supposed to punish me and you're just being understanding. I mean, it's it's the same thing on a very different scale that she was doing with Trixie in the previous episode where Trixie lashes out and her, or her immediate response is not like, hey, you don't talk to me that way, but what's going on? There's clearly something else here. So it's very in character for her, but it's not what he needs. And seeing who he goes to for that, I think says a lot about him. So he like, he goes, he goes to Dr. Linda. He goes to Chloe. He doesn't bother going to Dan. He could get, he could, Dan could throw him off something. I mean, comparative power, you know, at the, at the station, Dan would be happy to do that, but he doesn't respect or care about Dan anywhere near as much. So it wouldn't mean anything. You know, and there are different people. So the people he there there the people he could go to, like he could go to Maze. Maze would be pissed off at him. Maze blames him for this, you know, because he didn't just take uh, the mom back. But he doesn't because that's not what he needs. Um, I think it's really interesting and just really, it's really well balanced. I think uh, the, the very balanced in character and in propulsion for like where they've been and where they're going to be going in the rest of the season. You know, Kate, that sort of. I don't know, that connected this scene with another really great scene. That's, I I mean, I will say on a a different level, but I am going to stand by this comparison because I think it says some interesting things about the Lucifer scene where um, the way you're describing it, it's as though Lucifer is actually doing the things that you're supposed to do yeah. Um. In this final moment, right? Like he is doing what you're supposed to do in therapy. He is being honest and he's dropping any pretense and um, being intensely vulnerable. But in this case, it's perverted because he knows what's going to happen as a result. And he knows it's going to be this probably irrevocable break. Um. So it's a good thing normally hear like a very bad, dangerous, upsetting thing, which is a twin to one of my favorite moments in the Americans, um, which is when Philip takes his wig off in front of Martha, um, which I think, and there is like um, a romantic partner being, whether he views it that way or not, which is an open question, um, being honest and open and vulnerable with, someone who's demanding honesty and truth from him. Um, And it should be in theory, a good thing. And instead is this moment of absolute nightmare, um, which I think is just like a really interesting comparison. Um, And speaks to what the show is attempting with this moment, because I think there's a way to do it that's a lot less interesting. And the fact that we've been talking about it for as long as we have, <laughs> I think <laughs> speaks to um, speaks to the power of that scene. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's a great comparison. That's, I mean, yes, I really like Lucifer. It's not one of the all-time great Americans. scenes <laughs> yeah. of the TV I've ever seen, which is that scene from the Americans is one of the best scenes yeah. I've ever seen on television. But, uh, but the fact that they're going for a similar energy and power, um, yeah, that says a lot. Whew, intensity. Uh, do you guys have any uh, other thoughts about this episode? Guys, if you have any things you want us to touch on, uh, drop them into the chat. Um, 
do you, but yeah, are there any other parts of the episode you want to make sure to mention? Um, any thoughts on where you think we're headed or, or what's I next? Mean, oh, I should of- mention, by the way, it's 18 episodes this season, not 13, because that may shape how you think about the plotting or the pacing. Oh, did they go up to 18 for this? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Season two. Um, no, my partner just t- told, my partner said like two things when we finished. It was just like, first, oh man, I just really want to roll through the next one. I just want, we don't even get to watch the next one until Sunday, babe. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing she said is like, this is, a, this is the start of a long road for Linda. So, you know, buckle up. Um, to which I go, oh, no, no, my dear sweet Dr. Linda. I must protect her because <laughs> the show needs her. <laughs> yeah, I also just sort of wanted to barrel on through to the next one. Um, and, you know, I've seen the show's IMDb page, so I'm yeah. not concerned that that Dr. Linda is going to be leaving us anytime soon, uh, which is great. Um, but I do think, I mean, like, please give her all of the interested, messy, complicated stuff to play. That's amazing. Yes. Like, please, lots, lots of good stuff for her. Um, uh, oh, God, there was a thing. It wasn't the Metallica that I wanted to talk about, although the Metallica was... Inter- oh, I remembered. Here, we can end on a slightly lighter note. Shouldn't Lux be, Lux be spelled with an E at the end? I keep... I kept thinking... <laughs> as I, w- I guess the entire time we've been watching the show, I've been assuming that every shot of the word Lux on the wall has been cutting off the E on the end, and instead <laughs> it's just spelled L-U-X. And that, what? No. Um, Marcus says two of the most memorable things for me in the series happened this episode. The reveal at the end and the maze and Trixie trick-or-treating. Yeah, I mean, so good. So cool. So fun. I mean, not the end's not fun, but maze and Trixie are fun. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to answer your question, Allison, about Lux, um, it's not deluxe. Um, Lux is actually a unit of measurement to determine how bright something is. Oh, I wasn't thinking deluxe. I was thinking uh, Lux as in um, like the fashion term, like the couturier term. Um, So not how bright something is, but how indulgent or um right finally rock something is yeah okay yeah but he's the he's he's the morning star so he's the light oh yeah well but he's also filthy stinking rich yeah yeah Yeah. well i mean but only because he's the devil (laughs) well sure but the but you know there's a hedonistic streak sure that i mean i think the name is probably intended to to conjure both although obviously only one occurred to me um but yeah, is it, it? It was interesting. It was interesting. Okay, well, uh, I will leave. Let's leave it there, and I will say that some of the things you guys have been talking about in the last like five to ten minutes are really interesting for where the show is going. And oh, great! So we're going to so. get a whole backstory on them making the club and going through the permit process. Obviously, yeah. Lot paperwork is licensing, paying yeah. off the mob. Yeah. yeah, I'm super excited to see all that. Of course. Me too. Of course. So anyways, I'm looking forward to our conversation in like next week or the week after when, when you're like, I called it. 
which nothing you've said is blatant. That so that I, th- I don't think you're gonna be able to guess what I'm talking about from what I'm saying now, or I wouldn't say it. But yeah, there's some fun things headed our way. So the next episode, when we are back next week, we're gonna be talking about Lucifer season two, episode seven, uh, My Little Monkey. And uh, yeah, there's uh, there's again, there's some good stuff coming. But yeah, it's it's not so happy go lucky right now. Uh, but I, hopefully they will continue to balance things for us because you know the escapist fun is part of why we're doing all this. So. We'll see. It's been a while since I watched. Uh, thank you to everybody hanging out in the chat today, which has been uh, Keenan and, and Lurker and Marcus and Scotty and Tanya. And Nova SB was here as well. Briefly. Oh, and, and SB was here too. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, it's been super fun, guys. We'll be back next week for week five. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> but week five. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.